You know, Acts 19 says that special miracles were done by the hands of Paul, and they brought handkerchiefs and aprons to him, and the sick were healed and evil spirits left. So what we want to do today is if you have a loved one at home who is not able to be here for whatever reason, but probably because they're not well, then you can pick up a handkerchief off the table and stand in the prayer line today. And Pastor Reg is going to pray over that handkerchief and you can take it home for them. Just to encourage your faith, I'll tell you about my Auntie Millie. This was my mom's sister. When she was five years old, she had pneumonia and the doctor said she was not going to live. Now, Smith Wigglesworth was over in Switzerland. They sent a telegram to him and said, Amelia is, they say Amelia will not live. What he did was he got the whole conference to join hands and he prayed. She said it was a pretty little lace white handkerchief. They put it into the post and, and they received it this side. And, and she said, as soon as that handkerchief was put on her pillow, she began to get well. In Bradford, she was known as the miracle child. Everybody knew Auntie Millie as the miracle child. When she was eight years old, her mom called her in one day and said, there's a lady here to see you. The lady was sitting there finely dressed and she said, are you the miracle child? Auntie Millie said, yes. She said, well, I was in the conference in Switzerland when we prayed over a handkerchief for you to get well. And today I've come to meet the miracle child. Hallelujah. So this is a, a, a scriptural practice that we do. And you know, it's not just healing. I remember meeting a lady in town one day and she was so discouraged because she said, my husband is, is just not being, he's, you know, he's just being naughty, he's not behaving himself. And, uh, and I said, let's take a handkerchief. And I prayed over that handkerchief that that man would come to church and give his life to Jesus. That was a Saturday. She put the, the handkerchief in his pillow. On Sunday morning, I walked in and there he was. I said, Tommy, what are you doing in the church today? He said, Pastor, the whole night, I had your face in front of me. And you were saying, Tommy, come to church and give your life to Jesus. And he said, here I am. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus is powerful. And the lady in the Bible just said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. Hallelujah. So there we are. You, you, you're welcome to pick up a handkerchief, um, stand in the line, and, um, and Pastor Reg will pray over that handkerchief for you. I'd like to welcome you to the platform, please, Pastor Reg. God bless you. Pastor Reg had five illnesses when he was born, mental illnesses. God has healed them. Um, and, and healed him as, as a young child of all of these illnesses. And, and he has a ministry of healing, especially to, to mental illness. But last night we were in Keithley and we witnessed a powerful prophetic ministry. And we were there till almost midnight. So 
Church, I'm just going to say to you, if you are a visitor, um, we would love to pray for you first in the line. But those of you who are going to be here Monday night, tomorrow afternoon, uh, tonight, you know, maybe let the, let the others go first because otherwise we're going to be here all day. Hallelujah. Maybe we're going to have a, a breakout. <laughs> Pastor Reg, God Thank bless you. you. Thank you. Appreciate it. I've got this. Thank you. G'day. My name is Rich, Rich Marais. Uh, when you people left our country, we didn't like the way you guys say good day. So we decided to really go against you. And so we shortened the whole thing and we call and we say to each other, G'day, how are you? My name is Rich, Rich Marais. I want to thank uh, Pastor Lillian and Pastor Abe uh, for giving me the opportunity. When I came across um, your great-granddad, Smith Wigglesworth, at the age of 22, 23 years of age, I read all his classics. And I remembered reading that book, and I said to myself, in my heart, one of these days, I'd love to visit this place. That was about 23, 24 years of age. I'm 55 right now. And then the, finally, the prophecy has come to pass into my personal life right now. So I want to thank, uh, I want to thank Pastor Lillian and Pastor Abe for giving me the opportunity to come and speak. There's a wonderful lady by the name of Terry Deckard. She lives in Houston uh, in the United States. Last year, I was in the, in the in Houston area, and she was the one who introduced me to Pastor Lillian. And uh, over Zoom, we just, you know, our hearts were in the same place and sink kindred hearts. And we just felt very strongly at that moment God was telling me to come over here. So it is a great privilege of mine to be with you. Can I have all eyes closed, all head is bowed. Father, we want to thank you, Jesus. We give you praise and thanks right now for every single area of our personal life today, God. We are not the most important people, but rather the central theme of the cross of Calvary is none other than Jesus and Jesus and Jesus alone, God. We want to magnify him. We want to declare him without his work, without his redemptive work of the blood of Jesus Christ, God. Today, we all will be heading in the wrong place. Out of the precious blood, God, you have saved us, God. Once upon a time, we were in the kingdom of darkness. Now, out of the kingdom of darkness, you have brought us into the kingdom of light, God. Out of the kingdom of light, God, that's a revelation of the Holy Spirit, God. From the revelation of the Holy Spirit, Bible says, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I, on the other hand, have come to give you life, life to its fullest abundance, God. We claim that inheritance that you've given to us, God. We want to walk in that inheritance. We want to possess the inheritance, and we want to enjoy the inheritance until the last breath of our life, God. We love you for who you are, for what you are, for what you're going to do, and what you are about to achieve and enable each one of you guys, God. In Jesus' name, all God's people say, amen and amen. So all of you guys know I do not have any Indian surname. I've got a Marias surname. So I'm half Portuguese, half Indian. That makes me a pedigree mongrel. And so I'm a very special mongrel, and I'm not one of those easy ones to come through. So in my neck of the woods, I'm considered as Eurasian. Half Euro, half Asian. My wife is one of your lassies. She's an English, born in Kent. And so when she, she left her, your country, your nation as a young child, and so she's lost the English accent, so she has got more of an Australian accent. But when she gets very upset with me or tiffed about me, the anger will come in the English accent. 
Uh, that's my wife. So she, she's not, she's an Aussie lassie, but she's not, but the, the English lassiness comes out when I will do certain things with my boys. I got two beautiful boys. My eldest son is uh, Jesse. My youngest son is Josh. My eldest son is 14 years of age. His wings are growing. Every, his wings are growing and I have to get a scissors and to clip his wings off. And my youngest son is about 12 years of age. And we've been married for many, many years. And I told God for many, many years, when I meet that girl, may I pray that she will never be a clinical psychologist. If there's any clinical psychologist over here, please don't take, don't, don't take this offense. People who become clinical psychologists, they've got problems in their own. And they can't fix their problems, they want to fix other people's problems. If you know what I mean right now. So when I met this young girl, I said, she's quite pretty and she's quite stunning. But when I shook her hands, I said, what do you do for a crust? Which means, what do you do for a living? She said, I'm a clinic psych. I said, oh, okay, all right. I don't want to do anything with you. You don't want to do anything with me at all. I don't want to know anything about it. But three years, we were best of mates. We were great buddies. And we finally, I realized I am falling in love. And the Spirit of God keeps on saying, this is the girl you've got to marry. So people often say, there's, you know, there's no sense of humor. So get this right. I'm a preacher of the word. And she is one who handles mental psychosis with every mental problem. She's a clinical psychologist. So we both have got a job dealing with people every single day. And we come together. We don't talk about each other's problems. We just keep on doing what God wants to do. Little does she realize that I, was, I had autism, Asperger's, OCD, Tourette syndrome, and nonverbal. And before, when I was dating her out, I never told her any of my problems. And so I quietly married her. But she found out something was not very, something is not right with this young man. So we were married in the first two weeks and she was sitting like, you know, like the way Pastor Ape and she was, you know, Pastor Lillian and we were driving in our, in our second, in our second week of marriage, she started like, you know, you know, you know, early couples when they get married, they become lovey-dovey, touching all this part of it. And on that day, I was wearing a shirt and the shirt is a brand new shirt and being an OCD child, shirts, any brand new shirts, I can't wear it. So this is what I feel very sorry for you guys, for Pastor, Lil, Lilian, Pastor Lily and Pastor Abe, because you are, you've come over here to listen to me, but not realizing that I'm an ex-mental patient. And so you guys, I feel sorry for you guys this morning. <laughs> and so my, so the pattern of things is anyone who buys for me any shirts, including my mom and dad, or anyone buys the shirts, I will take this shirt, dig those, I'll go to the backyard, I'll dig the ground, Two feet down, I will bury all my shirts. After that, I will get laundry detergent, pour it into it, and cover the soil for two weeks. Now you're wondering, wait, why am I here this morning? And so I can't wear shirts. So on that day, she starts to touch on me, and I said, stop touching me. And she said to me, oh, there's something not right in this marriage. Lo and behold, after some time later, and I said to my wife, I had all these conditions. I pray you'll forgive me. I never told you in my time that I dated you and the time I courted you. She said to me, I figured there was something unusual about you. So I am thankful to my wife who is not here with me. She sends her love and regards to you. To come to your country, it takes me 30 hours. To fly to the United States, it takes me 38 to 40 hours. It's not easy to come. I live on the, on, the western, on the western continent of Australia, which is a small place called Perth, Western Australia. Everything is far for us. But it is a great privilege and a honor for me to be with you here. 
Now, the last few days, I've been asking the Holy Spirit, and I said to my, I said to my God, I said, my Lord, what have you got for this entire part of England, Bradford, Leeds, and all this place? So can I have a scripture today? And I just want to encourage you what God has been speaking to me. And the, and the scripture that I'm asking today would be Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 41, if I'm right, verses 18, it says, will open rivers in the desolated heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. This is your prophetic journey for this place. This is where the great explosion is going to take place. And then another scripture I haven't given to your media team is this. Daniel chapter 11 verses 32b says, Those who know my Lord, they shall do great exploits. That's the other one. Can I have the, another scripture that I gave it to the media team? If I remember correctly, there's another one, the book of Psalms, I think. So if I can have that, that scripture to coming through, there you go. He turns, uh, he turns the wilderness into pools of water, dry land into water springs. This is for Bradford. This is for Leeds. This is what God is going to do. So my heartfelt prayer today that you will work with Pastor Lillian and you will work with the Pastor, Hab, uh, Pastor Abe, Abe and to work into this church and to have men and women coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. When you do come to the church, don't come to yourself. Don't make this place like a secret club, but rather have always have the heart of investor, investment where you will be evangelistic enough to bring, to bring friends of yours who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal savior. Eventually, when they come in, they will, they shall be touched by the power and the presence of God. Last night, I had a wonderful time, and Pastor Abe said to me, I couldn't believe the energy you've got. I have, I am, I have been known that I will pray for 12,000 people for the next 16 hours. And by the time I prayed for 12,000 people, they will take me by a stretcher and put me into a car for the next two, three days. My, my wife has to feed me. And so I'm not concerned about how many people I need to pray, but I want to ask of you right now today, if you can open your hearts, open your mind, open your spirit, more than then, your spirit man to open up. So God has got the best things in your own personal life right at this moment. So with this, without going any further, can I have the scripture, the first Lord of scripture? And I want to continue on. I've been told by the media to stand over here, so I better listen to them. I don't want to go against them. And so th this morning, if I can have the continuation of that, uh, of, that, uh, of, that, of that sharing last night I did, and if I can bring that out on that. So last night I started to cover on a topic called divine, yeah, divine authority with impartation. And then I want, to, I want you to come with me on that very scripture, overcoming life's curveballs. So every one of us, when we go through life, there are some curveballs. And in the curveballs that we go through in our personal life, we often wonder to ourselves, what am I meant to do? How am I meant to handle myself? How am I meant to care for myself? You see, as far as I know, Bible says to me so clearly that David says very clearly, when I was found in my mother's womb, iniquity was found, sin was found. It's an old English word, but at the end of it, sin has been found in our life. You and I don't have to teach our children how to really behave in a such a way. They don't need to be taught how to sin. One day, my youngest two boys, when they were toddlers, they decided to take a crayon, crayons. 
and they decide to draw on the crayon, took the crayons and decide to do this whole lot of drawing on this beautiful painted wall I have done. Lo and behold, when the painting has come out, my wife came out and said, who did this? And none of them really decide to own up who did this. So my wife, being the clean side she is right now, with all the tools in her bag, she decides to take this digital camera and she starts to take this picture, this angle and that angle, and she says, oh wow, what a beautiful picture. Out comes Jesse, I did the drawing. <laughs> out, come, out, comes my young, out comes my young son. Joshi says, I did this drawing. No, I did this. No, I did this. At the end of it, it's interesting to note that both of them partook of the crayons and did this powerful drawing on the wall. And my wife said, who taught you this and why did you like? Well, it is in us, mom. We want to do something, but you can't stop us. An old story was once related to me in my Bible college in my seminary. Tommy was sitting in the car. Tommy kept on putting his head outside of the car. And as he kept on putting his head outside of the car, the mother says, Tommy, I want you to put your head in before your head can be snapped by a truck. Don't do that. He, she, and he keeps on doing. Finally, she gets irritated. And then she tells him off. He sits down in the corner. He says, Mom, in his heart, he says, Mom, I might not be putting my head outside, but in my heart, my head is still outside of the window. See what I'm trying to say? It's a sin nature. We, are, we love to be stubborn. We love to be obstinate. We love to be in the place that we want to control the domain. We want to control the destiny. But in the whole process, you and I come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then God says to you and to me, surrender, yield yourself more and more. But we find ourselves, we can't yield because the old nature comes back again. There's an old English word called R.I.P., rest in peace. See, the old man has been crucified at the cross of Calvary, but every so often that should be resting in peace. We raise the old man back again, and then we sin back again, over and over again. I want to say this right now. Bible says all things are possible to those who believe in him as far as you can believe what God can do. But one thing, though, he asks you all the time, would you yield yourself in the presence of the Almighty God? Talk about divine impartation with an authority that God has given. It takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of nailing. It takes about a lot of your heart, where you are at, what you are at, and it tests you. And as it tests you, and then you wonder, will I be able to make it? Will I be able to handle all of the above? So scripture says to me over here right now, then he called his 12 disciples together, gave them power, authority over all demons to cure diseases. You see, it's not, Pastor Lillian said, it's not about only, you know, there are special people who are meant to bring the word. Every one of us are meant to bring the word of God. Every single person in this room are completely anointed in Jesus Christ. And so at the end of it, you know, I find myself, as much as I do what I do in the preaching of the word, nothing beats when it comes to parking cars. In my church, if you come down, every Sunday morning, I park every single car. And I will get all those guys coming, and I would like them to park their cars exactly accurately as I would like to. 
Why? It gives me joy. Why? It gives me the menial task to have that relationship to go on and over and over again. The falling in love all over again. Revelation says about this thing, rekindling the first love. Knowing Jesus is one thing, but walking with the Holy Spirit, it's another thing in your personal life. Divine authority with impact. Divine authority with impact comes with humility, comes with righteousness, comes with the spending in the time in the presence of the Almighty God. I was a young man and I started to get impacted by your great grandfather, none other than Smith Wigglesworth. And so when God healed me completely from my autism, Tourette syndrome and all the above, I kept on ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ for 10 years from the ages of 20 right up through age of 28 or 29. And in that process of it, I found that I could not cast demons off. No one was getting healed. But I was formally educated, formally trained up in a seminary. Can preach, can teach, know the word in and out after four years in seminary. And eventually when I started to minister, I realized one day I told myself in my heart, I no longer want to work in this ministry some more rather, I finished my ministry in the United States. I, I got down at Changi International Airport, met my mom and dad, and I told my mom and dad, Mom, Dad, I'm about to, I'm about to resign from my ministry, and I'm about to go into full-time business because I think I can make a killing. I, I think I can kill the pig. So before I entered into ministry, I had five businesses. In every five business, anything I touch, if there's any, there are Indians over, Indians know how to make money. I'm telling you right now. And so you don't have to teach me how to make money. We are very good. We are very, very good in making money. And so I knew how to make money. And I told my dad, and I told my dad, dad, I'm going to leave, leave this ministry. He was born in 1925 from the builder's generation. The builder's generation will say, men should not cry. That generation do not believe in Christ, especially when they've gone through depression, they've gone through World War I, World War II, and my dad was an old man, and he said to me, I spent all the fees for you in the seminary, now you're going to get out of the ministry. I said, I can't even cast a demon out of a cockroach, why should I be in the ministry? And I said that, and I got down to Perth, got down to Perth, I gave my bags to my, to my customs officer, all of a sudden, right in front of me. The entire Perth International Office, Customs Office, goes into a white blanket. No one I could see, nobody at all. Everything becomes a mist. I can't see one single person or no person at all. Right in front of me, the Holy Spirit appears to me first time. He says to me, there's someone is waiting for you. He wants to see you. And we go, we walk into, into this place, mist, cloud ass, go walking like a maze. Finally, for the first time, I see the master's face, Jesus Christ, face to face. I did not know whether to break down, cry, hysterically laugh, or hysterically to scream. He said, I've been waiting for you for all these years. And then he says to me, I heard the conversation that you had with your dad. You are about to, re about to resign from this ministry. What will it take for me to have you in the ministry for the rest of your life? It was at this moment, I signed a contract with my God, with Jesus, and said, I will live and I will keep on serving to the last breath of my life right now. See, that's an encounter of the work of Jesus. You see, everyone should be entitled to have the work of Jesus entitled. It's how much do you want to push?
You see, when I was a young man at the age of 23, 24, 25 years of age, I used to live in a place called Stratton. Every suburb in Australia, it's all based on English, basically. And so there's a place called Stratton. And besides Stratton, there was another brook, and there's a brook called Jane Brook. Every winter, Jane Brook will be filled with the winter rains. And when you jump in that brook, you will have water right up over here. And so I will go for three years, I remembered, I used to go into the brook from 7 a.m., from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. on winter nights at three degrees. I will jump in into the water. The water will be here. And I'll say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit or else take my life. Kill me now. Don't do the prayer I have made. <laughs> That's who I was. That's what I was. I'm asking of you right now, don't do that. But I did that out of passion. I did that out of love. I did that because whatever I receive, it's not good enough. I wanted more. Authority comes about surrendering. Authority comes by yielding your presence. Authority comes you are canceling your flesh. Authority comes by canceling your soul. And the Holy Spirit gets exonerated, exalted in the presence of the Almighty. Out of that... I now stand in front of you knowing who Christ is and who the Holy Spirit is. When I remembered my, my, my then dad had a huge farm, 10-acre farm. In the 10-acre farm, one day he came out and he saw me and I took 10 beautiful chicks. Each one of them I strangled and some of them I took and hit against a wall and I killed eight chicks, brand new chicks, had no remorse. The rate that I was going through, I was about to end up as a murderer because of my autism, Asperger's, OCD, Tourette's syndrome, nonverbal. That's where I was sitting. I'm here simply because of the divine impact of the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, it's about the celebration of who he is, for what he is, for what he is going to do, and how he is going to now completely you know, take you to the place God is calling you to do so. So if you've got, I've broken the ice with you guys. If I've broken the ice with you, then I want you to come with me to the next lot of scripture. And very quickly, I want to finish. I would love to minister with every single person with you guys. And so I want to look at right at this moment, an authority that needs to be earned by relationship. Can I have the book of Mark? No, let's go through right now. Um, no, let's go through the book of Mark chapter 13 verses 34. The book of Mark, chapter verses 13, verses 34. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. And so uh, my point is this, an authority needs to be earned by relationship. A relationship does not come by the fact that you and I know each other. It doesn't come in the place of acquaintance, but it comes with a deep friendship. In that deep friendship, friendship, God puts us to the furnace. And when God puts us to the furnace, he will basically will take it and then he will refine you. Bible says in the book of Job that he will refine you seven times over. You see, everyone is craving for the work of the Holy Spirit. Give me the work of the Holy Spirit. Give me the work of the Holy Spirit. But there will be a refinement process. In the refining process, some of you will snap and some of you will make it. And it is not the easiest thing in your personal life. So when God called me in the early days of my life, I think you guys have to understand, Aussies, I can say anything I want because they're not watching me. 
But if I say this, they will be very offended right in front of you. Aussies are tough nuts. They're not an easy nut to work with them. So when I started my, my ministry back in the day, 400, 500 people will come in. I will put an offering back here and an offering back here. By the time I would have prayed, I would have finished 1 a.m. By the time I clear, I clear the entire church, I'll take one offering back, that'll be 10 cents. The other offering back will be 5 cents, 15 cents. That won't pay my mortgage off. Am I right to say that? Another time when I prayed for a lady, you, you know, the revelation of the Holy Spirit has answered me, has done everything. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I thought to myself, this month I finally can pay my mortgage off. She comes with a bag, clink clong, clink clong, clink clong, bottles. So she gave me mustard sauce, chili sauce, hoisken sauce, and another sauce. These four bottles. I went back to my fathers and mothers of faith. This is what God has given. And they said to me, have the bottles lined up in the middle of your lounge and start to dance. This is the start of your ministry. It either breaks you or he either breaks you. My point is, God is always in the business of making you in the presence of the almighty God. Sometimes there will be stretches in your life right now. In that stretch, may I pray, may I ask of you that you not give up. I want to let you know that I came from a place where I was completely broken. No one knows me. No one likes me. No one wants to stand with a loser. But as far as I'm concerned, that God comes into my life, came into my life, changed my life upside down because of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the relationship with the Holy Spirit turns you, makes you to a person to become a dynamic person. Can I ask of you right now, as you are the British people, your prime minister will not last too long. Very soon, God will remove him. You guys have to start to pray very soon for another prime minister. I'm telling you right now, in the last two days, the Holy Spirit has been revealing for your nation, for your country. And he says to me, your prime minister will not last too long. So I want you guys to start to pray. Not that God has got anything against him, but he's not the right appointed man after this country. So my point is, I just want you to start to pray, ask for God. All of you guys remember way back for the last 10, 15 years, if there are any Italian British or Italian English, please do not take this as a personal offense. The last 10 years, 12 years, Australia became the Italy of the Pacific. Why did they call it Italy of the Pacific? After post-World War, Italy had got 51 presidents, and each time one president lasts only one year. So Australia went through what we call revolving doors over and over and over again. And out of the revolving doors, each prime minister only lasted one year. And out of this whole thing, one day the Holy Spirit says to me, come, I want to see you up in heaven. Got translated, got transported to heaven. He says, sit, sit, sit. I want to speak to you. I want to talk to you something. It was at this point in time, in 2015, God says to me, Jesus himself starts to say to me, I've decided a man after my own heart. And then he mentions, first time to me, the name of this next prime minister, none other than Scott Morrison. He says, Scott Morrison is the one I've chosen. He's going to become the next prime minister. You will go back on earth and you will tell on behalf of my people that get ready, this new prime minister. This is the only man who could break the witchcraft of your country with a revolving prime minister one at a time, all the time, once a year once. Lo and behold, eventually the day came in and the day came in Prime Minister Scott Morrison becomes the first Prime Minister 
tongue speaking, Bible believing, assemblies of God, born again prime minister. So my point is this, guys. If God could do that for Australia, God could do this for your own country right now. So I want you to start to pray right at this moment. I have, and he's no longer our prime minister. I think the conservative prime minister is gone. He has been kicked out last year. Now we've got a brand new prime minister by the name of Anthony Albanese. I'm not going to make any comments. Australian population has rejected the one in sitting, sitting evangelical uh, prime minister. He's no longer with us. But what am I trying to say? When God is going to do something, do you realize that you are in a special place? Why am I trying to say you are in a special place? Is this, because God can't do anything without you and I. Do you realize that? He has to partner with you. Have you ever wondered why, why God had to use Elijah when God says to Elijah, hey, Elijah, listen, there's not going to be any rain or dew for the next three, three and a half years. And then here now, exactly to his words, God shuts, him, shuts the whole entire dew and the rain. Three and a half years later, God says, I've decided in my mind and in my spirit that I'm about to bring this rain. But then the rain, God, all of you will agree with me, God is sovereign. Am I right to say? If God is sovereign, he doesn't need our help. Yet again, when young Elijah goes up in the mountain, he prostrates himself before God. And as he prostrates before God, six times he prays, six times Gezi, the servant says, I can't see any clouds. I can't see any clouds. On the seventh time, he says, I see a cloud rising from the ocean, but it's a very small size of a palm of a man's hand. That was good enough to trigger the flood. And he tells Ahab, go ahead of me. There's a flood is about to come through. You see, out of that picture, you realize God needs you. God has to work with you. And so God can do anything and anything, everything he wants. He's a sovereign, almighty God. But in the sovereign, almighty God, there's an investment he's given to us. And that investment is, I need Pastor Abe and I need Pastor Lillian. And without them, I can't go any further. What a God that you and I serve. My, my great ancestors, they came from a place, don't take any offense, that we were meant to told to worship 330 million gods and goddesses. Go figure for yourself. We struggle to worship one God. Whereas my ancestors will say, go worship 330 million gods and goddesses. Some of my Indian compatriots are laughing because they understand what I'm trying to say. It's not the easiest thing. And so in this whole process, God has made it easy on us because of the work of the Holy Spirit. So may I pray, as you partner with the Holy Ghost, things could be very different. But at the same time, though, realize and understand the ownership is on you. The ownership comes on you. And sometimes what we find, we try to just push off the ownership and say, God, you could do this. God, you could do this. But you and I are meant to intercede. You and I are meant to pray. Then the other part of it, if you've got right at this moment, can I have the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verses 2 to 3? The book of Habakkuk, the minor prophet, the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verses 3. If you are saying that I am going to work with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will work with you right now, I'm asking of you a spiritual stamina. You see, the spiritual stamina is not an easy thing. You see, in this race that God has given to you right now, he's not calling you for a 100-meter sprint, but rather he's asking for a long marathon race. And in this long marathon race, it requires stamina. 
And if that stamina is not being built, stamina can be only be built over the years of practice, training, and exercise. Without it, you can't go very far. So let's, so let's look at the scripture says, Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. And the Lord answered and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets, and he may run who reads it. Can I have verses 3? And then says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, but it will not lie, though it tarries. Underline that word, though it tarries. Wait for it, because, underline this, it will surely come, it will not tarry. This is life, guys. We, what we call doing life. When you do life, there are some things which will tarry. I want to share some sad stories. And the sad stories often comes with a great story. When I married my wife, immediately a couple of years later, she fell pregnant. As she fell pregnant, we were expecting on, the, on, on our first child, some more rather, on the 25th of December, 2006 or 2007, on Christmas Day, my wife and I went and celebrated on Christmas Eve of a celebration of a church that we planted. As she was walking into the church, walk, 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 she was wearing a skirt, I can see, bleeding, droplets, drip, droplets, droplets, droplets of blood. Lo and behold, I knew what was going on. Took her, put her into the car, and brought her back home, started to pray, started to pray, started to pray. By the middle of the night, on Christmas morning, we lost our first baby. And, you know, as she was sitting in the toilet, she was losing. By the time I brought her to the hospital, by the time I set her out, make her to sit outside, thinking the doctors would bring her in, thinking for the doctors to bring her in, by the time she lost so much blood, she became blind. Right at that moment. I said, to, I, said to the, I said to the receptionist, I said, my wife has gone blind. My wife has gone blind. Only until then, they brought the stretcher, put my wife in, brought in the hospital, got the blood back again. Her, her blindness was removed, and she received the sight. On that morning, we, we lost our child. Our church was only two years of age. Three days, two days later, I have to go back and stand in front of the church. Can we all raise our hands? Can we all say a big hallelujah? Can we all say, thank you, Jesus? Yet two days ago, on Christmas Day, I've lost my first child. My point is, are you going to raise the fist? My Lord, this is my fist. Or are you going to say, my Lord, this is my hands. You know, you've given and you've taken it away from me right now. One year later, the same wife of mine who lost, one year later, the child, the first child comes in, Jesse was given. One year later, in front of me, he, that child was in my hands. God says to me, last year you have lost a child. This year I've given you a child. I am the God who is able to restore your life right now. I haven't come to you to lecture you guys. I'm coming to you as a broken man. God breaks you. The Holy Spirit breaks you. Get used to it. There is no such thing. God never promised you. God never said to you, when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, you are going to walk on rows of, on petals of rows. He never said that. He said to me, ye shall go through tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And so my point is, as long as there is life, there are going to be enemies. 
There are going to be forces. There are going to be people who are going to envy you. There are going to be people who will double cross you. There will be people who will betray you. There will be people who will try to take you down. But in all this, we are more than, more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. May I say this right now. God has got a destiny for this church. And so I want to encourage you to walk with your pastors because this church will grow tenfold from this day onwards. So I want you to start to prepare in your heart. Work with your church pastors. Start to receive. And as they impart this vision, start to have a big vision. You see, we are not meant to, we are not meant to fly with turkeys. We are meant to fly with eagles. So in this room, there are a lot of eagles. Fly with eagles. Turkeys can't do anything. They're land-based creatures. But eagles are able to soar among mountains. My heartfelt prayer is you will rise up in the presence of the Almighty God and help yourself to know that the Holy Spirit is still with you in times of when you and I will go through certain persecution. That's part and parcel of life. Jesus had to go through persecution. Am I right to say at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says to his most three powerful Bible college graduates, Three years he runs a Bible college. In the three years he runs, he says, Peter and the sons of the sons, the two sons of Zebedee, would you please stay awake with me for one hour and pray with me? By the time he goes and he prays, he comes back, he comes back and he sees all his disciples are sleeping. Welcome to the life of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the life of your life and my life. There are times, there are places. God, you and I will be tested in the furnace. If you are going to be tested in the furnace, Bible says, for the vision is for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. All promises, Paul says in the book of Corinthians, all promises are yea and amen. So those words will never come to an end, but those words will start to take place because he's got a care, he's got a concern. Some of you guys will live on for 80 years, 90 years, 100, 110, 120 years. But after that, you realize that you are gonna be standing in front of your maker and your creator. When you stand in front of your maker and your creator, he will ask you very clearly, what have you done for me? I wanna go out there and I wanna see, my Lord, I have done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that. The only words I want to hear, well done, thou art good servant. Enter into my place. And that's what you and I are looking for right now. See, we are not here to curry favor, and we are not here to butter everyone, and we are not an audience to these people, we are an audience to the one person. And that person is none other than Jesus Christ. You and I are meant to rise up you and I are meant to encourage each other. You and I are meant to rise up in every sense of the word. Today, I want to, be, I want to thank and praise God. An artistic child. I've got three bachelors, six, uh, I've lost count of it. I think four masters, six professional doctorates, two PhDs. So whenever I go to in the United States, any university will ask me, would you preach, would you teach on the subject of the Holy Spirit? I'll teach as much as I can. My wife will often ask me, why do you do so much studies? She has got a PhD, so we are both doctorates. So she has got a PhD, I've got a PhD. But in my city, you've got the Lutherans, you've got the Catholics, you've got the Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, you've got the Presbyterians, and you've got the Lutherans, and, all, and the Baptists. 
And so whenever they have in their, in their congregation, they have got a demons shouting or yelling, but under their constitution, you can't cast demons off. But they'll always call me in the city of Perth, hey, Pastor Rich, can you come and see us? At the back of the church, we got three demons and we want you to come and cast the demons. We want you to do this very quietly. I'll often ask them, why are you asking me to come and do it? Because we know that you're formally educated. Some of your fellow brethren who are the Pentecostals, they are kind of, you know, they, you know, they look like a bunch of fruitcakes. They're not educated. I, so the reason I did all my education is simply because I got access to all these churches where most other Pentecostal churches can't go in. But I go in like a sniper inside. I do whatever I need to do, and they keep on coming back. And the father of Catholic Church teaches how to cast demons out, teaches how to pray for people who have got, you know, uh, you know bipolar and all those sort of things. We have got, a, we have got our biggest mental asylum in, our, in a place called Greylands. And in that Greylands, they lock a lot of people up. I wrote a book called Spirit to Spirit Transfer. A psychiatric nurse bought that spirit to spirit transfer books, 100 copies, decides to give it to every single person who have me mentally completely lost their place, read the book within two, three weeks, half of the mental asylum got discharged because they all gave their hearts to Jesus Christ, our Lord and personal Savior. Why am I trying to say this right now? There's a love of relationship. Pastor Lillian said to me, said to you, there are prayer cloths that are brought in over here. Another mega church comes up to me, and the mega church pastor says, I've got my son-in-law who has got what he called a, 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 a bipolar. And that person has been given what he called uh, a medication where you have to take lithium. You know what is lithium? It's part of a component within your battery cells. And I said, please bring that young man, I will pray. And the, and the pastor says, my son-in-law never wakes up. He's always so dopey, he's in the bed. So I said, can I pray for one of these and give it? And I, I prayed, give it to her. And she then puts it in the, under the, inside the pillowcase. Within three, four days later, he throws out all the medication, set free. Today he works for Jesus Christ, full-time capacity in the ministry. What am I trying to say? Bible says very, very clearly, in the book of Romans chapter 5, verses 5, it says this right now. Now faith, and now, now, you know, ho now hope is there. Hope is not there to disappoint you. Your commodity, your stock exchange runs on hope. Am I right to say that? Everything runs on trust. Everything runs on hope. If there's no trust, if there's no hope, then I am telling you right now, you will lose every credibility on your British pounds. My heartfelt prayer know this, that God is in charge. And if God is in charge, God is able to heal you. You see that lady in gray, in the top of gray, this lady, this lady, this one, this one. Yeah, you, man. come, 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 come. That, no, 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 this lady, this lady. Yes, this lady, yeah. yeah. I saw you this morning, two o'clock in my prayer time. Pastor Lillian, come, come stand beside with this lady. Put your hands around her. Put your hands around. Thank you. Appreciate that. There's a lot of hugging going on in this place. <laughs> Stretch your hands towards this young lady. Thank you. Father, I thank you. Jesus, I give you praise and thanks right now. This young lady was sitting and your angel appears eight feet tall. 
And then he had a scroll, and in that scroll, he started to describe about your story. I am so terribly sorry for the losses that you've incurred, for the losses that you've gone through. Bible says to me in the book of Job, chapter 42, verses 10, and it says that Job prayed for his friends. A double portion of measure was given to this daughter's life right now for that son's life. Today, a double portion will be given God on this daughter's life right now. I pray and ask of God, name of Jesus, every man and every woman will come, will actually tell you, I will look after you. I will look after you. I will look after you. But then every time when they say, I'll look after you, I'll look after you, they're empty, hollow promises. But today, my God says, my Father in heaven says, I'm going to turn that around. I am going to be the one who's going to look after you right now. Every single loss you have made, I'm going to turn that into a mighty, powerful reward. Bible says very clearly to me, those who diligently serve me, I shall be the rewarder of them. That reward is on you, sweetie. That reward is on you, sweetie. That reward is on you. And then you are praying for another person younger than you are, younger than you are, younger than you are. I'm about to restore that person's life on behalf of your life right now. Holy Ghost, give you thanks and praise right now. You'll honor, you'll touch, you'll bless right now. There will be, there shall be the power of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost, God. And the love of Jesus will continue to run through God in this daughter's life right now. Release his abundance, release his abundance, release his abundance. The last thing I pray, within 2023, three sequential events which will take place. Three sequential events which will take place. Each event which will restore you to be the princess that you meant to be, to the queen that you're going to become, because God is in the business of restoring you this year. So the year of Jubilee has arrived on you. The year of Jubilee has arrived on you. God is cancelling the debt in Jesus' name right now. Holy Ghost, I pray, ask of God in the name of Jesus, God, there will be, there shall be the presence of the Almighty God. Release His blessing, release His anointing, God. In Jesus' name I pray, all God's people say, Amen and Amen. To that lady who's wearing a nice, beautiful pink scarf. Yes, ma'am, you ma'am, come, 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 come. You're a very powerful lady. Come, come. Mom, Lillian, come, mom. Put your hands around this daughter. Thank you, Connie. Father, I thank you. Jesus, I pray. I saw you this morning at 3 o'clock in, uh, in my time of prayer. There will be a lady who will be sitting somewhere at the back. She will wear a pink scarf. Call her up. Tell her exactly what needs to be done and what needs to be said. I pray in Jesus' name right now. I pray and ask of God. Your family should know how to celebrate you because you've canceled tragedies, you've canceled, uh, you've, uh, you've canceled accidents, you've canceled uh, incidents, and we've canceled so many different things because you are one of those powerful people. Yet if I say to you, how are you, but you, you, you will deviate from your conversation, and if I give you a piece of paper, and the piece of paper says, could you tell me your status of what your health like, what your body likes and everything, but you will tick everyone. I need to look after Tommy. I need to look after Michelle. I need to look after Rhonda. I need to look after Barbara. I need to look after. By the end of it, your name comes and you say, I think I've got to look after myself tomorrow. Same thing all over again. You tick Rhonda. You tick Barbara. You tick everyone. You put every single person ahead of you. What a heart. What a trooper. What a sacrifice. 
what you put your body, like we Aussies will say, you put your body on the line over and over and over again. Today, my Jesus says, I want to heal you. I want to touch you. You see, ma'am, you're sitting right, right at the back. And the Holy Spirit kept on saying, although I saw your pink stuff, as I saw the pink stuff 3.30 in the morning, then there was a Holy Spirit standing at the back of you. And he says, listen, son, tell her that I've got alarm bells ringing for her body right now. Her body needs to be completely healed. Clean bill of health needs to be given right now. And I want to heal this daughter because I need her for many more years because heaven is not prepared to take her. Heaven needs her on this earth right at this moment. There are some unfinished tasks and there are some unfinished jobs and those unfinished jobs can be only undertaken by this young lady, God. I pray, ask of God, in the name of Jesus, ready, mom, I pray, ask of God, name of Jesus, every power of the enemy, now I pray, begs now, in Jesus' name, that out, in Jesus' name, out in Jesus' name. Something is leaving your tummy area. Can I have a chair at the back? Can I have a chair? Someone puts a chair at the back. I pray in Jesus' name right now. Uh-huh, that chair. I pray in Jesus' name. Ready? Breaks, 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 breaks. Ah, it's leaving you right now. Okay? The gates of Hades has opened up. And the work that the power of the enemy is leaving you right now. You see, this pain which comes and goes, it's part medical, but part spiritual. And the enemy wants to try to see whether he can bog you down and try to stop you and try to slow you down. But he, he's a loser yesterday. He's a loser today. He's a loser tomorrow. No longer this will come against you right now. Okay. And I rebuke in Jesus' name and I promote the kingdom of God over this daughter's life right now. Give you praise and thanks right now. Break this in Jesus' name. Break this in Jesus' name. Today, I pray and ask of God, name you Jesus, God. Your lungs will operate like a 25-year-old lady. Your kidneys will operate like a 25-year-old lady. Your heart will operate like a 25-year-old lady. Your bones will operate like a 25-year-old lady. Everything is trying to slow you down. My Jesus is setting you free right now from this day onwards, God. Give you praise. Thanks right now. In Jesus' name, I pray, God. Amen and amen. Can we give a round of applause to God and God alone right now? I want to say this right now. I came to your country and I said to myself, I'll only come here once and I'm gone. And I, I said to myself, this is going to be a one hit wonder. But the last two days, the Holy Spirit has been saying, tell Pastor Lillian and tell Pastor Abe and tell all of you people, this city is impregnated with brand new souls about to give their hearts to Jesus Christ. There is a spiritual atmosphere over here. And in that spiritual atmosphere, you're going to have 10 times the size. When the 10 times the size comes, you are going to be purchasing another building. And so this building, we praise, we thank you, Jesus, for Papa Smith Wigglesworth who did this. May I pray this will be a campus. But may I pray when the other building comes, can I ask all of you guys, those who God has blessed you, to, you know, to, uh, you know, we, you know, we say in Australia, you know, you know, blessed with your cotton socks. If God has blessed you in that area, please help your pastors to purchase the other new building that God wants to give it to you right now. Because there are going to be signs and wonders, healings are going to take place in the days to come right now. There's a spiritual atmosphere that God is going to do and he's breaking the terrain. And as he breaks the terrain, you've got to be prepared to accept more people. This place is going to be small. Our place right now, it's very, very small. Give everything you could. When I, wanted, when I took my wife for a first date at Kings Park, 
at the King's Park, I started date her out. And on that night, I said, I'm going to ask her one question. Within the one question, I will make my mind whether I'll marry her or not. I said to my, my then girlfriend, as we were dating out, I said, sweetie, what if, if something out of this comes out and there is a possibility, just a possibility that you and I will walk on the aisle and you and I might get married? I'm going to ask you a very simple question. I said to her, I'm right now currently as an itinerant traveling evangelist. I travel around the world three times over for 18 years of my life before God gave me the ministry of the calling of pastor. I said, one of these days when you, if you and I were to marry and then eventually the, the church will grow and when it grows, will you help me? She had a couple of houses, I had a couple of houses. Would you put your houses completely under a guarantor and will we be able to buy a house? How romantic question. What a romantic question I asked her. And she took only 10 seconds being an English lassie I, that I know of. She says, you can have all the houses you want. We will build a church. And out of that, the next minute, when can you get married to me? And then within six months, I married. And the same thing happened when we bought the brand new church, put all our house. I think the only thing we, we owned, I think the toilets and the bathroom, the rest of it was all owned by the bank. And we bought the first building for $2.1 million. And we have completely paid it out. So I... I just want to thank you for all of you guys. I am available for ministry, but I'm going to give it to Pastor Abe or Pastor Lillian. And I'm willing to pray however long it takes. I'm here to serve you guys. I want to thank you, but I'm asking of you to keep on running with the Holy Spirit. God bless you all. Thank you.